Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. It's just going to make you a better salesperson. And really, that's what we want to be. We want to be the best salespeople that we can be. We know that if we can do that, that's the great equalizer. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Best ever listeners, welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Slocum Reed. Today we are joined by Martin Grisanti. Martin is joining us from Rochester, New York. His company is Suplex Properties. Their portfolio is all focused in upstate New York within 30 minutes of Rochester. It includes residential, multifamily, industrial, a storage facility, possibly a couple other things too, it sounds like, with an assets under management around $20 million. Martin, can you tell us a little bit more about your background and what you're currently focused on? Yeah, and Slocum, thanks for having me. Big fan. I grew up listening to this show. And it's all surreal. But yeah, a little background. I kind of had a different background. A lot of people get in real estate because they didn't like their job. I actually liked my job. I was actually pretty good at it. I was a sales guy and just wanted more success faster than what they were willing to give me. And you kind of needed to play the political game at that company. And I didn't really want to do that. So I looked at, hey, I'm in sales doing well with these commissions. What can I do to maybe not have to start at zero every month? And real estate was a way you could continually get money every month instead of starting back at zero. So found bigger pockets. Actually, I was on Reddit. Big shout out to Reddit. And found bigger pockets and learned about rentals and the Burr strategy. And then bought one with my partner, Matt, who's still my partner to this day on everything that we've done and do. He's my rock. And we bought one and then we just kept the ball rolling, ended up leaving our jobs two years in and the rest has been history. When is it that you went full-time in real estate investing? I went full-time real estate in 2017. Gotcha. And do you all operate your own portfolio or have you hired managers? We operate it. Yep. We own it and operate it ourselves. And I would suggest everyone does that at least for the first one or two to figure out what you're doing and then what you're going to be paying for later on. But yeah, to this day, anything that we own, we manage ourselves. 
So you went full time in 2017. You're focused on the Rochester area. Do you raise capital from other passive investors for your deals? Yeah. So we started in residential and we kind of did stuff a little differently where we used other people's money right from the get-go. And we realized how powerful that was, OPM, and what that could do to grow a portfolio. So we saw the magic of that very early on, not just for us, but for our investors. So starting residential, building up the residential portfolio of around 50 houses, single family. And then we started flipping houses in right around 2017. And we still do to this day. We have a really strong fix and flip division of the company. And those investors over time were very comfortable with those returns and we're excited about what we are doing. So when we pivoted to commercial, we were able to really transfer some of them over right to our larger multifamily or those larger commercial deals that we're doing and have done. So you've been working with other investors, investing other people's money, growing as you go. We're recording in the fourth quarter of 2023. It sounds like you're fairly asset agnostic, but you're focused on your local area or drivable area for the sake of your own management and your own market expertise. Assuming you're still in the acquisitions mode, Martin, where are you finding opportunity right now? Whether it be a certain asset class, a certain geography, a certain class of property, letter grades, where are you finding opportunity right now? Well, we're a sales and marketing company first. So we just happen to do real estate and we love real estate. So what do I mean by that? We cut our teeth on phone sales. So we've developed a sales and marketing company that focuses on real estate. So we have a team of sales associates who are virtual where we'll cold call all day long. So we're pulling commercial lists from Reonomy or CoStar and we're mailing those lists, we're texting those lists and we're getting a lot of opportunity that way. So we have only bought off market and we believe in the law of the first off market deal, which once you do an off market deal, it's really hard to then look at what's on the market. So we like to create our own market and have our own opportunities by doing that. So that's why it is a little agnostic is because we have been spread out to like multifamily. That's where we're going but we also have done industrial and then you get oh by the ways of I'm not willing to sell this building, but I do have a storage facility that I would sell. Okay, great. Now we're very much an opportunistic real estate investment company. So that's what we look for. We look for opportunity, something that we can get our hands on. Like, Hey, does this make sense? Can we drive to this and just make sure that we can learn from this? Is it already occupied pretty good? Will the bank give us a loan on this? Like, is this going to make money day one? That's kind of what we look for especially if we're not 100% familiar with it, like that self-storage facility. And then, oh, by the way, you partner with somebody who's going to run it for you and knows what they're doing. But in regards to where are we finding assets, we're putting a lot of emphasis, a lot of time, and a lot of resources in our sales and marketing. And that's how we're finding deals. That's an excellent answer, Martin. I've asked this question a lot of times this quarter, the second half of 2023. So for the sake of our listeners and for the sake of continuity, 
When the question is, where are the good opportunities? It sounds like your answer is having a system for getting off market or getting in front of off-market opportunities. It hasn't really mattered pre-COVID, through COVID, post-COVID. The ability to develop a system for getting off-market opportunities in front of you consistently is where the real opportunity is. Right on. We can't wait. Look, we're not whimsical about our day here. We're not waiting for something to come across our desk from a broker that we can make an offer on. But the truth is where we are, because we are a newer company, in regards to the companies that are locally that have been doing this for generation after generation of family owned and operated type of real estate investment companies, we just don't have the time that they have put in already. So we kind of have to make up for that. We're not going to get that really screaming hot deal. That's going to be brought to some of the bigger players. So what do we got to do to get in front of that? Well, we have to do it ourselves and we're willing to do that because again, that's where we cut our teeth is through over the phone sales. So we have no problem cold calling. We have no problem following up. We have no problem being quote unquote annoying. Because we know that's how you're going to get a deal. And we're very skilled in with what our systems are, where we do have a CRM that automatically reaches out on our behalf through a text message or an email to constantly follow up with that lead. Because you know, as well as I know, it might take seven touches before that seller is ready to sell. And we want to be there when it does, because everyone listening has probably followed up with a seller before. And then they go, yeah, I just sold it. And you go, what? How does this happen? So... Worst case scenario is when that happens to you. So we don't want that to happen. So we want to be front and center at all times, even though we don't have the luxury of the time or history of being in the market. What you're saying makes a lot of sense, Martin. I know a lot of people though, who go off market for all of their acquisitions, but also focus on one or even just two asset classes where you've got a handful of things there within your current portfolio. Tell us more about your decision to dive into the variety of asset classes that you have in your portfolio currently. Is it really just whichever opportunity looks best regardless of asset class, that's what you pounce on and figure out? Or is it something else? Yeah, I think for us, it's finding the right opportunity because that's what we're looking for. And then having the right partners that we can work with because we don't need to take down everything by ourselves completely 100%. So we like to find an expert in the field because you know it's not the how, it's the who. So if you can find somebody that's already done it and done it well and been successful, well, then you bring them into the deal. Because like I said, we're deal first. We're reaching out. And if we come across something that, hey, this doesn't quite fit what we're experts in, who do we know that would want to work with somebody like us that can maybe do the management on this, right? So with the 79 unit apartment building, we didn't really know how to do the due diligence on something like that or the full-time management. So we brought in two partners that did, and maybe that cut a lot of our equity out. But at the end of the day, we're in this for the long haul. And it's not about one deal for us. It's we want to do multiple, smart, successful, long-term deals with long-term partners because we're in this for 40, 50 years, right? I'm 34. So I want to be doing this for a long time. So I want to do it the right way. So I don't need to take it down by myself and learn the hard way. I'd rather have the people maybe take less, but have something that's going to be very successful and something that's going to be able to grow. So yeah, it's really just finding the deal because that's how we can separate ourselves is finding the deal because then the right people will come and then the money will come. And at the same time, we can pivot if necessary 
But just to be candid, yeah, we find the right deal, we'll be able to find the right people to work that deal. And those people will be able to really run that properly. What is it that you're doing to find partners for your deals, deal specific with the expertise already in that operation? Well, I think you have to be somebody wants to partner with. And for me, it might be different than other people, but I started a meetup. And I think that's kind of a slick trick for anybody listening that if there's something locally where maybe you don't really love the meetup or you think you could do something differently or you want to have it done differently, whatever it might be. We had a local real estate meetup in Rochester and I just wanted to do something a little different, something a little bit more, I guess, um, for the professionals, not the beginners, so to speak. Nothing wrong with beginners, but I wanted something that was going to be a little bit more for the pros. So I started one and then it, it really just built up. So then all of a sudden you got 6,000 members and it just brings a lot of credibility to you. I was posting a lot. Two years ago, I really made a, a mission to post having my own YouTube and podcast show. I think people want to work with people that really care and are putting it out there. And I know that's going to turn some people off. Totally get it. I'm not for everybody, but for the people who, Hey, this guy's really willing to put his name and he's really willing to put it out there on the line. I think that attracts people. And I was lucky enough to attract some really good partners who knew that I was serious about what I was doing and who knew that this is somebody that's not going to go away. So they know what they're doing with finding the deal. And I enjoy their time enough to have a beer with them. <laughs> and I like where their focus is. And I think I know where they're going long-term and you got to get a shot, right? Someone's got to give you a shot on being a partner. And so I know partnerships are kind of tough and you got to make it all work, but if you're bringing the deal and you're going to bring the energy and you're going to bring the enthusiasm and you're going to be able to bring in some of the deals, the money and, and raising the money and all that good stuff and helping management. So you, you find what you're going to be able to bring. And as long as that meshes with the other partners, then I think it's a good fit, but definitely being out there, putting myself out there, posting, having the videos, having the podcast was all very important for people to take me seriously and take my partner serious. We'll get back to the show with the first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Deciding how to invest your capital is more challenging than ever. That's why it's never been more important to partner with a company with a solid track record and that has thrived through various economic cycles. Companies like BAM Capital. BAM Capital is a trusted multifamily syndicator that has delivered a historical average of over 35% IRR with an average hold period of three and a half years. BAM Capital's never missed a preferred payment, never lost an LP's investment, and never called capital past the subscription amount. BAM Capital is currently raising capital for a fund designed for accredited investors, targeting a 15 to 20% IRR and a 2 to 2.5x equity multiple to its investors over a three to five year hold period. If you're an accredited investor and you want to learn more about multifamily investment opportunities with BAM Capital, Visit capital.thebamcompanies.com. Again, that's capital.thebamcompanies.com. Martin, as you've built your portfolio through building your off-market lead generation funnel, your sales and marketing business, doing real estate, acquiring these properties, executing on each one's business plan, I know this can be a tough question, but what's gone wrong along the way? What are some experiences you've had that our listeners can learn from? Early on, buying in not so great areas. So we still have some gum on our shoe from when we first started buying in C and C minus type areas where on paper it looked fantastic. 
and you, they stick with you for a little while. <laughs> and then they make money and you make it work, but long-term, that's not the type of property we want to hold. And that was definitely one. Two is really, I think, having a focus earlier on would have probably been helpful if we would have went focused just on one would have been beneficial so that we could have been the experts in one of those things. But at the same time, we like having the openness and creativity of working in different sections, asset classes of real estate. Look, we're 34. And if I didn't try some of these things, then how would I know if I didn't like it? So that might not be for everybody because you kind of have to take on some brain damage. But if you're willing to eat some lumps because you're going through a learning curve on different asset classes, then bully for you. So you deserve the good stuff. But at the same time, would it have been simpler just to focus on one? Probably. But then I wouldn't have necessarily known that I liked industrial. So I guess there's pros and cons to that, but definitely buying in the right area earlier on would have been the better choice and the right choice if I could go back. But geez, I'm glad I found out at 35 not to buy there, not when I'm 55. So it's hard to say because I've learned so much because of it and I'm a better investor because of it. Martin, I appreciate you sharing that. It makes a lot of sense. Are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. What is the best ever book you recently read? Never Split the Difference. Chris Voss, a great book on negotiations for sure. What is your best ever way to give back? The meetup group. That's really is the best way to give back because it's a great place for not just sharing your real estate war stories, People need that. People need a community. People need to have a place for like-minded individuals. And yeah, it takes a good amount of time organizing and finding a place to go to and some investment in that end. But it's all worth it. When you can see everyone smiling and laughing and having a good time at a local establishment, it means a lot. And I think it means a lot to the people. It means a lot to me. Martin, this may be related to what you were just saying, but speaking to a specific property that you've required, let's go with an example outside of buying in the wrong location. What is the biggest mistake you've made and the best ever lesson that resulted from it? The biggest mistake we made was probably partnering with people in the beginning that didn't see the value in what we were bringing. And... They didn't see the value in the finding of the deals and, and doing the calls and implementing the marketing and sales campaign. And we learned that you might want to have the conversations beforehand, having the hard conversations beforehand of what a partnership looks like and what you're going to be bringing to the table beforehand is a lot easier than when you've already bought something and now you're trying to divvy it up when that partnership needs to disband. So. I think having the candid conversations on what a partnership would look like in the beginning, even though that might be a little tough because it can be just a conversation that is not always the most pleasant when you ask, what are you going to bring to the table? I think it's going to save you a lot of time and brain damage later on by having it early on. Do you have any specific examples that you can share from an individual partnership? Well, we were working in a partnership where we were buying mobile home parks and that was our role was the marketing and sales side and we ended up getting seven parks under contract and when it came time to talk about how we were going to break it up and have the equity splits and all that stuff 
we were seen as very much disposable. Again, these were all off market that we brought to the table. And our value just wasn't being seen, I think, as much as what we thought, right? And again, I don't fault them because we never really had those conversations in the beginning, what it was going to look like. We had all anticipated it was going to be split equally amongst the four, but you can't assume anything, okay, is really what it is. You really want it in paper and written down and in front of everybody in the beginning because you don't want to get to that point of seven parks and then to scramble to get paid under the gun. That wasn't the best. But the beauty of that story is, is that that was about three years ago. Now, today, I'm actually working with the largest mobile home park owner in New York, and we're doing their outbound marketing for them. And not only am I getting paid for it as a third party, because they're not doing it, they don't know how to do it, they don't want to do it, they don't have the system set up, they don't want to have the system set up, but we're also going to be getting equity in a roundabout way on those deals. So it actually worked out fantastically because we're working with a bigger group that's doing better potentially because they're just, they're a larger group and they see the value in it because they tapped us. We didn't ask them before it. They knew what we were doing and they wanted some of it. Yeah, there's a definite through line through the stories that you shared, Martin, where you and your partner have demonstrated a willingness to take risks. And if they didn't pay off directly, the things you learned were accomplished through the process paid dividends afterwards. And that's a great example of that. That you went ahead and got into mobile home parks because you knew that the deals were good. You made some mistakes along the way, but the actions that you took and the risks that you took are now paying off in another venture because you've had that experience. Yeah, it was never a waste of time because we learned. And one of the things about what we do as cold callers, and I'm proud to say it, some people are not proud to be a cold caller, and I think you should be. But cold calling, what it does, it will make your learning time faster. And what does that mean? Well, when you're having conversations with the owners of the different asset classes, right, the multifamily apartments, the mobile home parks, the industrial buildings, you're going to learn so much by talking to them. And you're going to learn their stories. And you're going to learn the lingo. And you're going to learn what the demographic is of that seller. Yeah, maybe you get hung up on. Okay, no big deal. But you can use that story they were saying on that next call. So your learning curve gets a lot shorter when you're willing to do the cold calling because you're willing to really get in there. You're willing to be in the arena with that seller. And I think they appreciate that in a way. And you're willing to listen to their stories. But again, it's just going to make you a better salesperson. And really, that's what we want to be. We want to be the best salespeople that we can be because we know that if we can do that, that's the great equalizer in this business. Last question, Martin. Where can people get in touch with you? They can come on Twitter. At LLC Suplex. But please like and subscribe the Marty Grizzani Show. You can find me on my podcast, The Marty Grizzani Show, YouTube, The Marty Grizzani Show. Those links are in the show notes. Martin, thank you. Best ever listeners, thank you as well for tuning in. If you've gained value from this episode, please do subscribe to our show. Leave us a five star review and share this episode with a friend you know we can add value to through our conversation today. Thank you and have a best ever day. Thanks, Locum. I appreciate you guys. And remember to cold call. Hi, best ever listeners. Joe Fairless here again. And one last thing before you go, would you like to receive a short weekly email with proven tips from experienced investors, free tools and resources, and a roundup of the week's most relevant news and best ever content? Well, if so, 
Join the community of nearly 15,000 commercial real estate passive and active investors who receive the best ever newsletter. Just go to bestevercre.com forward slash access and you'll get the very next one. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, thank you for listening and have a best ever day.